0: Hi, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life, Miami here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I'm so glad you've chosen today to tune in to hear what God is speaking to our congregation, and I hope it speaks to you as well. At the first of the year, we started a series looking at the word God spoke to us as our foundation for the year, and that word was manifestation. Here halfway through the year, we've decided to go back and look at that word. So here we are again looking at the series, Manifestation. I hope you enjoy. God bless. We're in the middle of a series. Well, we're in the part two of a series. We started the year off uh, looking at a word that God had given us as our word to stand on for the year, and that was manifestation. And uh, the thing that I love about this is God not only gave us something to hold on to for the year, but He's delivering for the year in this word. And now we're believing God for a manifestation of a building to call our own. Uh, He gave us a worship leader Again, thank you all so much (laughs) And uh, now we're believing for a building But last week we talked uh, in detail About our response to the realization of who Jesus is Through the transfiguration And uh, it it was pretty profound As a matter of fact One of the things that we looked at on there See if I can pull this up If you'll recall there was something That we gathered from this Even in our discussion on Wednesday night That I thought was pretty cool And it was It doesn't take a condition of the heart To get to the place that Jesus wants to meet with us But it takes a position of the heart And that was pretty cool But today I want to talk continuing in this coming back to the word kind of halfway through the year of manifestation reminding us of where we are as a church is I want to talk about bearing fruit I want to talk about the fruit that we bear and uh, it's interesting because God gave me as I was meditating kind of the way this series is working and the way I go to him is early in the week I, I just basically say God where do you want me to come at this from in the scripture. I don't ask for God. What great revelation do you want me to unfold for everyone? It's just where do you want me to go? And He said, "I I want you to look at when I cursed the fig tree. That was it. I'm like, well, God, you're going to have to give me something from this because I can I can go in and I can teach what other people have taught. I can look at the significance of that. And as I sat down after thinking about this this story throughout. A few days, and I sat down yesterday, and he just began to show me some things. So I'm really excited about this. So, why don't we together look at uh, Mark chapter 11? This occurs in two separate places in the Gospels. We've got it in Mark chapter 11 and Matthew chapter uh, 21. And an interesting thing about this is Mark takes the cursing of the fig tree, then he goes, Jesus goes then to cleanse the temple and he casts out all the money changers and he has a raging fit in the name of God and that's a righteous raging fit and then he and his disciples are walking back and they see this tree in which Jesus spoke a curse over and we'll look at that word curse here in just a minute and then in Matthew's account it all happens all at once after the cleansing of the temple and there's no real contradiction here the thing that we need to point out is one just gives a little chronological event occurrence of events, and the other just says this is kind of what happened. He kind of paints the picture after the fact uh, in, in the idea of, instead of splitting it up, he just gives it all there, the, the tell end of the story. And, and, and it's a really neat way, but I'm going to look at Mark's account mostly today, and in chapter 11, verse 12, it says, On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry he being Jesus. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, the expectation in seeing a fig tree in leaf, by the way, is that it would be in fruit. Uh, a fig tree would begin to produce fruit, and then it would go to leaf. Just kind of a, a context or an idea of what this is going on. So he sees a fig tree in leaf, leaf, and so he would expect, he's hungry, to walk up to the fig tree and find fruit on said fig tree. But he went to the tree... And he could not find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. It says, but it was not the season for figs. Now, I want to stop there and I want to take a little journey. This is not a rabbit trail because it's planned. If I didn't plan this, this would be a rabbit trail. But we're going to jump real quick to 2 Timothy. So we're going to jump off the story for a minute. If you need to just blank the screen, I don't have this written I don't think in the screen for a minute. But Second Timothy chapter four, I want to talk about this non-season moment for just a minute for us in the room because I want to charge us that even though something might not be in season, we should always be in season. There's no excuse for a believer to not be ready to not bear fruit. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-2-3, it says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. And I love that we are sitting in this room together in the presence of God Uh, There was a, a very sweet, neat presence of God in this place today. And it says, Who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom? It says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And complete patience. With complete patience and teaching. And I like the connection of the two here. Because even though the scripture here in Mark says the fig tree it was not in season for figs there's this understanding that jesus when he walked up to it he was expecting that even though it was out of season to still bear fruits hmm, there's some kind of connection for our lives there and i will come back to that with five observations here in just a moment but i want us to go back to mark chapter 11 and begin again or continue on and Uh, Verse 14 and it says And he said to it being the fig tree May no one ever Eat fruit from you again And his disciples Heard him then he moves on And he cleanses this temple And then they're walking back From him having this issue with the money changers and 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 doing what he did so righteously there and in uh, verse 20 it says and they pass by in the morning so we also know that this is a day later this is a weeks later not months later it is probably less than 24 hours later i wish some of my weed sprays would work as well as the word of god in this moment but less than 24 hours later in the morning they saw the fig tree withered away To its roots And Peter remembered And said to him Rabbi look the fig tree that you're cursed It has withered And Jesus answered them Have Faith in God. Isn't that an interesting thing? You would think that Jesus would look to him and say, well, this is why it is withered or this is why I did it. But no, he says kind of this total different direction. It's almost like he didn't even hear what Peter said. It's like he's giving them an answer to a different question. I can remember many times working as a professional storm chaser for a TV station, getting up and them asking me a question about what I had seen or what was going on, them being the the news anchors, and and feeling like the answer that I had to their question had nothing to do with their question, but yet I would get around to the answer, even though maybe the average viewer might not understand that I was really answering the question in which they asked. And I believe that's what's happening here, is Jesus isn't really answering the exact thing that Peter had Come out, and Peter didn't really ask a question, but it demanded a response. But the response wasn't in a direct connection to the direct answer that Peter didn't ask, but the answer was tied into the question that Peter should have asked. Do you follow me, sort of, in this moment? But anyway, regardless, Jesus has some very profound things to say here. It's directly connected to the withering of this fruitless tree. And he just says, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. he believes that what he says will come to pass and it will be done for him. Therefore, you I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whatever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. What an interesting Uh, Maybe juxtaposition from the scenario to the directives of Jesus in this moment But I would like to say that maybe I have some insight in this today And maybe you'll follow it, maybe you'll walk out of here going, ah, ah And that's the goal for today So let's look together, if we can, reading back through this But diving in a little deeper, five observations that we can take away With Jesus cursing this fruitless fig tree So observation number one comes from verses 12 and 13 And going back to the first day And it says again on that following day when they came from Bethany He was hungry I believe our encounters with Jesus Are stemmed from the fact that he is hungry So many times we come to an encounter with Jesus With a desperate attempt on our own. Oh, we are hungry for an encounter with Jesus. We are hungry to experience something from him. But let us not forget that he isn't equally hungry. He is more hungry for an encounter with us. He is relational. He wants something from us. So we've got this scenario here where he is hungry. He is looking for something from something. I know that was weird, but he's looking for some kind of feeling. He needs nothing, let me reassure you of that. But yet he desires something. There's a big difference. He has no need for you or I, but he desires something from us. In verse thirteen he says, and seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. Observation number one, Jesus is looking for fruit. He's looking for fruit Now that fruit in our lives is manifest in many ways And we're going to discover what that is here in one of my observations So I don't want to let that cat out of the bag too soon But he is looking for fruit Some kind of manifestation If I could tie that into the series title for just a minute Upon our lives And when he approaches us There should be some kind of an aspect In which we have something bearing upon our bodies not literally but figuratively some kind of an action in which we can return back to him there is something that when he is coming in to meet with us in which we should be able to turn around and offer back to him he is looking for fruit what fruit do we have to offer what do we have to give to him what is he going to receive from us when he enters into the room desiring something now I want to let you off the hook just a little bit Because none of us in this room Tuning in on the live stream Or listening to the podcast Has any fruit really worthy of him But yet He wants it anyway He wants it He wants our best Whatever that may be And that's enough That's The best that's his desire that's his hope that's good that's great and in our feeble attempts to offer him our fruit our praise our whatever even though it's not worthy enough he receives it and makes it perfect for what he wants and so he's looking for fruit my observation too though We've got to be very careful in our attempts at what we bring in because looking good isn't fruit. Wow. When we put out a fake or false fruit, when we look good, it leads to a curse. That word curse referenced here isn't like the curse that we would think of with words, curse words, or or even a curse like a, a, a bad thing put upon us in which things don't go in our favor. It is a curse like judgment. That word is a judgment upon us. Looking good isn't fruit alone. I think of the Pharisees and all of their adornment to look good. And when we show up to church and put up on our put on our false, that is a fake fruit. That's one of the things that I love about this body of people that we can hang out with and worship together is our vulnerability, maybe that's the fruit that he's looking for today the interesting thing I think of in regards to this fig tree is it had no fruit but it had leaves and it goes back to a time in which I can think of a moment in which the adornment of a a leaf a fig leaf was was at an inappropriate time on somebody and it brought about a curse. It takes me all the way back to the garden. To Genesis chapter 3 when God goes to find Adam and Eve shortly after they've eaten this fruit that they were to not eat. He says, Adam, Eve, where are you? And in Genesis chapter 3 verse 7 through 11 it says, Then the eyes of both were opened just shortly after they have eaten the fruit. And they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Sometimes we put our own curse upon ourselves and our own judgment because of how we feel we should be entering into the presence of God. And that in itself is a false fruit that we adorn ourselves with. It has no nutritional value in the presence of God whatsoever. And he said in verse 10, I heard the sound here, I've read that. He said in 11, you or who told you who? talking about that the other Was that you I was talking to? you. I don't know. I was talking about somebody. Anyway, another story. It might have been my mom. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten? Wow. Wait a minute. Let's back up. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. I'm going to re-retend. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God responds with one of the most profound things I think ever. And he says, Who told you you were naked? Who told you You are less than I created you to be? Who told you that there should be shame in your life? Who told you that you should be afraid to enter into my presence? Who told you that the fruit in which you currently have, in which you can give me, is unworthy? Don't you know that I'm the one that makes it worthy, not you? Who told you that you were naked? And then in the all knowing part of God, he says, have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Why don't we look a little bit further at Genesis chapter three, just briefly. In the latter part of that Genesis chapter three, the judgment comes. Just like we see Jesus walking up to the fig tree and the curse. Well, there's judgment to the serpent. And the judgment is that there'll be enmity between you and woman and your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Just last night, I was taking the trash out after the festivities at the house. And as I walked around the corner to take those two... Bags and throw them in the container, a snake ran, no, slithered right in front of me. What a visual picture of bruising heels and heads. Actually more than that, it was soiling britches and running. But I could have a moment here of a very scary moment. This little bitty snake seemed quite large in the moment, but it didn't need to be there. But I hate them nonetheless. But the curse was present right in front of me. And he said to the woman, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. And every woman in the room says, curse you leave. <laughs> and to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree of the tree, I will command you, you shall not eat. Or you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all day. The days of your life thorns and thistles it shall bear forth or bring forth for you and you shall Eat the plants of the field by sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it You were taken from the dust and dust you shall return And then the very latter part of chapter Three we see the culmination of the curse and it says Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. And he drove out the man. And at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and the flame flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. You see what happened here. The Man now knew. Not just by knowledge, good from bad. But an experience, and the curse was set, and we live in the curse. And Terry, Bo's dad, is battling cancer. God never put cancer on him. He's not dealing with pre- he's not dealing with this because of sin in his life. He's battling something because of the curse, going all the way back to the garden. You see, what do we? offering jesus when he walks into the room now there's grace coming i promise this is not a judgment message i'm going to show you mercy momentarily but i want to caution everyone listening to this that when jesus walks into the room don't hide in your shame but give him what you And then after that day passes and coming back to the second day, of course, we're now back in Mark chapter 11, as they pass by the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. Say to its roots, observation number three, even in judgment, the work is thorough, but I'll add, so is mercy. So is mercy. Mercy is thorough too. And I was looking at this in James chapter 2 last night, verses 10 through 13. It says who for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. It Means if I'm going to choose to follow the law, I have to keep it all. And if I miss out on one little bit of it, I failed the whole law. Sounds kind of like what I've been talking about up to this point. But here's the good point. It goes on, it says, For it says, do not commit adultery. It also says, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. So speak, so speak, and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy, but mercy triumphs over mercy. Judgment. And this perfect law, this law of liberty says, God, I offer you my best. And I trust you. It says that even though I am no longer under the law, I will do my best to serve you. The new law says, love God and love your neighbor. And all the other commandments will fall under that. That's the law of liberty. So even though his judgment is thorough, so is his mercy. And I love that I get to live on this side of the mercy seat, this side of Jesus, this side of the cross, because up until the cross. The, the place that I sat, even in the moment of this story, we've got to understand that up to the cursing of the fig tree, the only way of redemption was still through the shed blood of a lamb. The only way of redemption was through what a priest could offer. The only way to get redemption, the only way to access the presence of God was to follow the law perfectly. But where I stand today, the law was fulfilled perfectly through a perfect lamb. His name was Jesus. And he said, even though I am thorough in my judgment, my, my, my thorough judgment was cast upon Jesus. He took my thorough judgment. So today you can sit in my thorough mercy, my thorough grace. Is this a license to say, hey, none of the law applies to me. No, it's a license to say all of your grace applies to me. And God's grace says this. I've given you the power to live without sin. Hmm. In other words, give me your best. Give me your best. So here's Peter. And he sees this withered victory. Jesus looks at him, and he doesn't say, Peter, if you don't bear fruit, I'll curse you. And he doesn't say, Peter, if you violate the law, I'll curse you. And he doesn't come into this big dissertation about what happens if you are fruitless. Jesus looks at him and he says, have faith in God. That's not what I would have expected That's not the response to what Peter had said that I think Jesus should have had in my simple mind trying to be God, which is always a good thing to never try to be God. (coughs) And Jesus says, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up, be thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass. It will be done for my observation. Number four our fruits is faith faith Dr. Brian Simmons he's the translator of the Passion Translation of the Bible, one of the newer translations that we're just now starting to get a feel for starting to get an idea of some of its significance even today says the mountain and the sea can also be metaphors mountains in the Bible can refer to kingdoms and seas represent the nations Faith lifts up and brings with us the mountain of God's kingdom realm. When we go into the nations, the Greek word for mountain here is oros. It's related to a verb which means lift up and carry off and take with you. This truth Jesus brings us is more than just hyperbole. It's the active power of faith to take with us and carry the power and authority of the mountain kingdom of God with us wherever we go. What a powerful thought here. So it says that we could ask this mountain to be removed. It isn't so much of asking obstacles to be moved. But it's saying, God, let me have this mountain-like faith that could cause me to move through whatever stands in my way. That could say, let me have this mountain kind of faith that would say, let the kingdom of God establish its realm wherever I stand. Then I think of Hebrews 12. But it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder or the author and the perfecter of our faith. Remember, our fruit is faith. and He's the one that is perfecting it and the founder of that within our lives. For who for the joy that was set before him Endured the cross Despised the shame And is seated at the right hand of God You see We bear fruit His mercy is Thorough His thorough mercy is building Within us the fruit of Faith Hmm And then continued on in verse twenty four, Mark it says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received, and it will be yours. And whatever you stand and whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your father, so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. My last observation this morning If fruit, if our faith is fruit, our fruit is faith, our action is forgiveness. The Greek word, uh, aphimai, means to send away. This is for for forgiveness. means to send away, to take away, to release, to let flow away. Sometimes we struggle so much to forgive, and we think, if I remember what occurred, if I remember the offense, if I remember what happened to me, I have not forgiven. But really, here's how we know we have forgiven something, someone no longer binds us up we've let it go we've released them from the offense towards us means we can look at them without hatred in our heart but we can love them like christ loves us what's interesting some translations take mark chapter 11 verse 26 and completely omit it Uh, many translators say that it wasn't in the original more um, Reliable manuscripts that are out there. Uh, it is in a lot of the Aramaic transcripts. Uh, the thing is, is it is not out of context with the um, what, with what Matthew talks about in his uh, story. It's really not th- something that, when left in the Bible, takes away from the story. Do you understand what I'm saying there? So I want to look at it real quick. You find it in the King James version, but some of the newer ones you don't find it in the. Uh, ESV, you don't find it in God's Word Translation. Several of the newer ones, but here's what it says. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Hmm. Let me give it some context so that we understand something very clear about Mark 11 and understand, uh, verse 26. That it is not a contradictory. It's it's not. Um, that's not the right word. It's something that is. That sh- Probably should have been left in, and that's when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. At the very end of the Lord's Prayer, he says this for in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. If you forgive others their trespasses, trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespass trespasses, I don't know why that word's so hard today, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. You see, I can have faith. That's great. There's got to be something behind it. You see, if I have faith that God forgave me, then I have to forgive others. If I have faith that He loved me, then I have to love others. If I have to have faith that His mercy is thorough, then I have to have mercy. And the most real way that I demonstrate that is in as much as He forgave me, I forgive Others. And the last thing I want to do is have Jesus walk into this room and see a vessel full of leaves, but not full of genuine expression towards his kingdom. You see the gospel of the kingdom It's a phrase that I love Says this i want going to love what he loves And I want to hate What he hates see, He loves fruit bearing He loves it when we come to him With our very best Even though it's really In light of what he has in heaven Not much what he wants I love when my daughters bring me pictures that I can't decipher at all what they mean they mean their very heart to me he hates when he approaches me I cover myself in shame Or I choose to hold others back from his presence. And today he is saying to us in this room Here I am, I'm hungry. And our only response is to give him the best fruit that we can. And maybe our phrase today is, Your presence. Life makes sense in your presence. Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I hope it's challenged you and enriched your life. I hope it's helping you live a life closer to service with Jesus Christ. Hey, if it's done anything for you today, if it's meant anything, we can use your support. There's several ways you can do that. First off, you can pray for us. Pray as we're doing our